Good morning, everybody. Uh, clearly, I, uh, at some point, I deeply offended that side of the room. Because <laughs> they've not come back. <laughs> so if you see them, you know, apologise on my behalf. Um, uh, I uh, work for an organisation called the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, LICC. And if, having heard the seminar, um, you'd like to connect with LICC, we send out... Um, an email, a uh, weekly email, which is a word for the week um, and something also around connecting with culture. So some <laughs> biblical reflection and uh, something to do with what's going on in the culture around us uh, uh, and some kind of um, reflection on that too. So if you're interested in connecting with NICC, then uh, I've got a couple of sign-up sheets here. If you just pop your email on those, that will allow us to... Um, to get in, in touch with you with those things. So we'll, we'll pass them around a little bit later on, but that's what they're for. So that you can see the slides, and probably not me so well, but that's okay. I'm going to do that. How's that? Okay. All right, so if you weren't here for uh, the last couple, uh, we've been thinking about this, sort of, this framework, uh, which is six things beginning with M, that help us to imagine what God is doing through us in our workplaces. Um, if you like a little card with the six things on, I've got a few still left down here at the front, so do pick one up later to remind you. Um, handy sort of uh, credit card sized um, card there. But these things we've been thinking about, modelling godly character, that's the fruit of the Spirit, uh, as Heather's been talking about also the, uh, in, in our morning Bible readings. Uh, making good work, the actual work that we do, the actual work of our hands is important to God. How we minister grace and love. Yesterday we were thinking about uh, Jesus' great commandment to love your neighbour as yourself. To love God and to love your neighbour as yourself. And how that actually works out in the workplace. Moulding culture, that's influencing what goes on around us. How things are done. Being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. When perhaps something unfair is going on in our workplace what do we do? And then this uh, sixth one, being a messenger for the gospel. So those first five are, do involve things that we say, but they also involve things that we do and the way that we live and we work. Um, but they're not necessarily us speaking specifically about Jesus. Uh, we're going to think a little bit more about that sixth one. But we're going to start just uh, with one of those um, word association games this morning, okay? So, this is where, I'm sure you've played it, but this is where I say something like dog, and you say something back to me like rover, or bark, or woof, or something like that. Okay, can we, can we manage that? All right, so, <laughs> so let me try something like uh, window. What would you say back immediately? Oh, crikey, that was all at once. <laughs> One at a time, what would you say back? Double glazing. Double glazing. You've been hit by a salesman, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you are a salesman. No, okay. <laughs> Double glazing. Anything else? Curtains. Curtains. Open. View. View. Okay, great. All right. Let's try another one. So, river. Water. Fish, water. Fish. Pebbles. Oh, yeah. Did somebody say shark? <laughs> no, okay, all right. I don't know what sort of rivers you've been fishing in. Uh, okay, so um, what comes to mind then when I say the word evangelism? <laughs> Panic, yes, yes. Okay, uh, anything else? Friendship. Friendship, that's a nice one, yeah. Opportunity. You don't have to say what you think I might want to hear. Okay. <laughs> so panic was probably realistic. Um, yeah. Anything else? Not really. Okay. We have kind of mixed emotions, don't we, about evangelism, wherever it is. Uh, when, when I'm talking about evangelism in the workplace, though, with people, uh, quite often they are very mixed feelings. It's quite a hard thing to imagine sometimes, isn't it? And Sometimes a hard thing to do. Some people are just gifted at it, and you think, how do they do that? Well, that's what we're going to focus on um, today. I'm just going to offer a few, hopefully, a few um, helpful things for you to think about and 
Uh, I'm hoping that some of these will, will kind of make sense and stick, and some of them might not, but don't worry about that. Um, uh, just uh, be sensitive and be listening to the Spirit to see what God's actually wanting to say to you about how we sh- might share our faith verbally uh, alongside all those other ways that we can witness to Jesus through who we are, through the work that we do, and the way that we treat others at work. Okay, so sometimes, you know, I well, I can, I'm reflecting my own culture here, so if I got this wrong, then please tell me, but sometimes it, it feels like you need, you, when we're thinking about evangelism, we're thinking about going to work with our sort of, our hunting rifle, our gospel rifle loaded up, and we're just waiting for some sort of prey to kind of walk across <laughs> our sights. And it, <laughs> if, we, if we can get off a gospel shot that day, then we feel, yeah, we've, you know, we've, we've earned one or two brownie points in heaven, maybe. I know the salvation by works, but okay, sorry about that. But does it feel like that, that, you know, it's something that you kind of just are supposed to do? Well, maybe, maybe taking our faith to work and sharing our faith like that shouldn't mean a pre-prepared package of propositions. I could preach that, couldn't I? A pre-prepared packet of propositions. Because um, in the Bible, our faith isn't primarily about propositions, is it? It's, it's for, first and foremost, it's about coming to know a person, the person of Jesus, and letting his spirit point us towards God. So I want to suggest that um, this morning we, we turn it on, our, on its head, as it were. Not we turn ourselves on our heads, but we turn how we think about evangelism on its head and we look at it with fresh eyes and see that sharing our hope with others can flow naturally out of uh, the loving relationships that we were talking about yesterday and that how we share Jesus is a response of love to what God is already doing in these folk. So turning it on its head means this is not so much about how we feel about evangelism, about the hurdles that we face. We could focus on those, but we're not going to. It's about what God is doing, how God is working in the people we work with. God is at work in people all over the place. So the question is for us um, to consider that first. So I want us to pause, and uh, if you were here yesterday, you will have... Um, written down a few people that you relate to closely at work or that are quite frequent contacts and we were thinking about how do we actually grow strong relationships there. I want, if you're here yesterday, I want you to think about those people. If you weren't here yesterday, just think about the people that you bump into mostly in your workplace. I just want you to pause and ask God to highlight someone to you. Okay, just ask the Lord to highlight somebody at work to you, somebody that you work with. So have you got somebody? You're going to need someone to, to work through for the rest of today. So if, if, uh, if you're not sure who God's saying, just pick someone for now and we'll run with that, okay? <laughs> There's got to be someone there. So now thinking about that person, I want you to ask yourself, how much do you know about them? So, for example, um, think about, well, what is my relationship with them like? Do you know what's important to them? Have you ever had a conversation uh, that's gone below, if you like, the hello, good morning, how are you, I'm fine, you know, surface? Do you know what they believe about God? Have you any ideas in there? How's the relationship? How deep does it go? Yeah, have you clocked that? Okay, so it's important to remember that in this whole piece, God is the initiator. So we're just here to play our part. So what does God want to do for this person as we partner with him and as we listen to his spirit? Because we know that our God has awesome resources, don't we? He is at work in these people already. So in our workplaces... He's at work where we are, but he's also at work in these people outside of the workplace 
um, context, through other Christians, through people who aren't Christians, through their circumstances, by his spirit. So we trust God. God is the evangelist. He is the wooer, if you like. He has the strategy, the tactics, and he can do miracles. So one of the first things to ask is, well, what is God doing in that person? And then perhaps we ask ourselves, so what can I do to get alongside what God's doing? What's my part, Lord? Does that make sense? Yes? No? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Um, So we're going to think about that really uh, this morning. What can we do to get alongside what God's already doing in the people we work with? And if you look at scripture, it very often uses this kind of a, of a picture, cultivating a sort of an agricultural picture. That's what people would have most related to at the time. So the natural process of cultivating, of digging over the soil, of planting seeds, of harvesting, uh, and, of, and of multiplying. And a couple of guys called Bill Peel and Walt Lorimore. Now, no prizes for guessing which nation they come from, but Bill Peel and Walt Larimore have written a really helpful book called Workplace Grace. And if you want to sort of follow up, follow this up a little bit more deeply and reflect on it, I can recommend that to you. And uh, they pick up on this journey, if you like, of cultivating, planting, and harvesting, and multiplying. Uh, and they, they give a, what I've find a really helpful framework and it's the framework we're going to pick up on this morning as we go through so when they think about cultivating they're actually saying this is an opportunity to help people to move from cynicism to curiosity so I don't know if you know people that are you know a little bit hardened about God and and perhaps you know just kind of reject out uh, pretty much out of hand this part of the journey for people is actually a, a one in which we're looking to see some hearts softened. Okay? So this is about earning trust and overcoming some emotional barriers to belief as our relationships grow and stimulating people's curiosity. So, you know, we want people to be asking, well, why did you do that? Or why did you say that? Why did you do that that hard thing? Why did you choose to serve in that way? Why did you take that decision? Some of the things we've been talking about this week. So this first piece is about moving from cynicism to curiosity. And then when that sort of interest is piqued, there's a move from um, curiosity to understanding. And this is about how we help people to start to become a little bit more informed. Uh, these days, people are far less informed and know actually in terms of real tr- truth know far less real truth than they did 10 or 20 years ago in terms of what's, what the Bible actually says about Jesus or anything else, come to that, sadly. So we've got an opportunity to perhaps gently correct misinformation about God uh, or share a little bit about what the Bible says about him. And we're planting little biblical seeds of truth, having cultivated the ground, if you like. And then from understanding, we move on towards helping people to make a choice. This is about wooing wills. So we've had softening hearts and informing minds. This is about wooing wills. And it's about overcoming a resistance and actually helping people to make a choice. And hopefully to make that positive choice of following Jesus, although it doesn't always go that way. Of course, everyone is different. So this is just a framework, okay? This is something that you may or may not find helpful. I found it helpful to, um, to reflect on where the people I know are in this process. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do for a moment. I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbour and twos or threes, whatever you, you find um, easiest, and just have a chat and say, OK, let's try and see where, where is that person that, that I've chosen to, to work with today? Uh, where is that person on this journey in terms of uh, what we've just been through? So have a quick chat and see if you can sort of get a fix roughly on where you think they might be in this journey. Okay, just have a couple of minutes chat about that. Now, I appreciate this is not the easiest thing to do, just kind of cold, as it were. 
Um, but something for you to continue to think and to pray about, perhaps. And maybe you're just starting to get a feel from, um, well, um, I wonder where they are. Perhaps they're about here. Um, but it's something to to be asking God about and uh, looking for insight to. But if we think about now, well, how how might we play our part in this journey? We're not necessarily meant to go the whole journey with everybody. Well, we aren't. I don't, I, not many people do that. Perhaps some, gift, some gifted evangelists might, but... More often than not, we actually play a part in helping people to move a little bit along the, the journey in one of these areas. But it, it kind of helps to know roughly where they are as we try to do that with the help of God's Spirit. So, we're going to start at the start, uh, which is this piece here, moving from cynicism to curiosity, the cultivation. And uh, here's an interesting quote, that evangelism is not just about delivering a message but about creating an environment in which the message can be heard. So this is the question this, this, this begs of us is how do we create a context um, in which we can talk at greater depth with people? As I say, just dropping below the surface of our normal conversations to something that touches on their well-being, perhaps, on their purpose um, in life on some of the meatier issues of what's going on around us in our workplace. So thinking about your person again, let me ask you another question. How comfortable would you feel having that sort of a conversation uh, with them? Having that sort of a conversation, or perhaps a conversation about God. So on a scale of 10, would you be at the sort of 0 to 5 end, where you're feeling not particularly comfortable about this, at the moment, or would you be more on like the six, the naught to five, or the six to ten end, where you think, well, yeah, I could probably do that. Just have a quick straw poll. Who's on the sort of naught to five end of life at the moment with their person? Yeah, a few. Yeah, or a few more. Okay, <laughs> and the six to ten end with their person. A few. So it's about half and half actually. Okay, well that's 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 normal. Uh, no problems there. Um, let's think about how we might actually move a little bit up that scale. Uh, from the zeros towards the tens. And again, um, part of this is how well we hold the relationship. Remember yesterday we were talking about how we hold our relationships structurally. We talked about five um, relational uh, factors, um, directness in terms of our communication. How well are we communicating? Is it face-to-face? Is it just by email? Uh, the story that we have, the continuity of story we have people. Do we know what their story is? Are we asking them what's going on outside of work? The alignment of purpose we have, uh, do we see them deliberately, intentionally in different contexts? Do we just ask them out for a coffee, for, for example, or maybe um, we have them over to dinner if that's appropriate? And how well do we share power? Are we, are we the dominant party or are we willing to share power? So those five things can help us. And not only in our relationship, but also as we seek to share the good news of Jesus. Let me just give you an example, a couple of examples of this, actually. Here's, uh, this is Anita. Uh, Anita um, worked in a big pharmaceutical company for a while. And uh, there was a lot of staff in this company. Um, but she noticed, she was alert, and she noticed a woman who always seemed to be a bit stressed. And so she just made a point of smiling at her as they passed each other in the corridor. That's all she did. Until one day she happened to meet this woman in the car park and uh, as they were on their way home she just casually said to her, you know, hi, we've not met, but I see you in my department, I see you around, how are you? And that was all that was needed. Um, Something in the way she smiled, as a Beatles song goes, which shows my age, <laughs> but just that smile built enough trust for that that woman to share. Actually, my son's critically ill. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm quite. I am quite stressed. You're 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 quite right. So Anita spends a little bit of time in the car park, talking with her, offering her sympathy. But she also explained, well, you know, I'm a Christian and uh, I have a group of people that I meet with once a week, and and we'd love to pray for you. Would that be okay? And you know, people 
not don't normally refuse prayer when they're in difficult circumstances. You know, what's to lose? They don't always want you to pray for them on the spot. Sometimes they do, but they don't of, they don't often refuse prayer. So she agreed, and uh, the home group, her home group, Anita's home group, um, did pray for them. As it turned out, in this case, the child recovered. Um, Anita was prepared, though. In her in the boot of her car, she had a bunch of John's Gospels. And she was able to give one to this lady. And this lady came along with her um, to church and, uh, you know, actually became a, a part of that community. Just from a smile. So people notice that we care about them. And sometimes even after they've moved on from our jobs. I'm going to play you a, a video of another story here. This is Victor's story. Let's hope it all works. Just have a listen to this. And I want to ask you to notice, just see what you notice about this story. And we'll, we'll reflect on that in a moment. I'm a doctor working in a district general hospital. I'm a firm believer that nothing in my life happens by chance, including the people I meet. The reason for saying that is because I have a colleague that's with me in the same hospital for a year and uh, after that they left. But two years down the line, out of the blue, I just had this prompting to text the colleague and just a simple, how are you? And to my surprise and the response I got was beyond what I expected, in a sense, they started telling me about the home circumstance and how there's been some domestic difficulties. So we end up meeting over coffee and uh, I had the opportunity to offer to pray and with a colleague and also to share and my conviction, how they need Jesus in their life. And eventually, um, the colleague came to church and uh, is now attending the church regularly, went to the Alpha course, and I think he's very close to the Lord. And uh, I really believe that God has drawn them to him. And uh, I was just a vessel and it's the Lord who, who will harvest. So that's Victor. So what did you notice about uh, Victor, or Anita, by the by, in any case? What did you notice? Anything stand out? They were just there in the gap. They were just there? There in the gap. There in the gap. Mm -hmm. Yes. There was a need, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there. Yeah. Started by asking, how are you? It's interesting, isn't it? They both asked mm -hmm. that question. Simple question, isn't it? But sometimes it unlocks things in people. Yeah. Anything else you notice? Our lady's prompting from God. Yeah, it was it was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, two years after the guy left, Victor's thinking, <laughs> I think God's telling me to send him an email. So there's a, there's a kind of exciting journey here, isn't there? There's a there's a um, a sense of God's spirit moving. You know, the, the the spirit is like a wind, as Jesus says, and blows where he will, where he wills. We can't anticipate necessarily. Victor didn't anticipate he was going to be sending an email to this guy two years after he left. But yet, the other thing that struck me about Victor's story in particular was I don't think that guy would have unburdened himself if Victor hadn't actually been the sort of person that they could trust. You know what I mean? So in that year, I think Victor must have built some good relationship. And it's that foundation uh, I want to encourage us with this morning. That's, some, that's one of the things that opens up these... Uh, these opportunities. So when we do say, how are you? That person doesn't just say, I'm fine. But they actually feel able to say, you know what? That's unusual, isn't it? 99% of people will say, I'm fine at work. We're looking for the 1% that's going to say, actually... Okay, so, in all of this, there's a kind of rhythm, uh, a, a bit of a like a you know the rhythm section in a band, that, which is actually the bass and the drums that are driving, as my son would say, the groove. 
Okay, there's a rhythm. There's a. There's a. It's not a rhythm. It's the groove. Okay, there's a. That there are rhythm guitars, but we're talking about um, what's going on. The, the beat underneath, and the beat underneath evangelism uh, is this. It's prayer and care and share. And we've been talking about care so far in our move towards uh, uh, in terms of cultivating. But if we go on and we think about well, how do we go from um, curiosity to understanding in terms of planting some, ste- some seeds, uh, this is where we think about how do we stir some general interest from general, sorry, how do we move from stirring general interest to something a little bit more specific about God? Because once God stirs the seeds of interest in someone, he tends to provide moments of opportunity uh, where we can help to water that seed. And sometimes we can predict those moments because they're moments of high stress or crisis, or somebody falls ill. Maybe it's a moment of celebration, or marriage, or a new child. Um, And often, when we get to those moments, we get the opportunity to share something, to say something. What? (laughs) To actually open our mouths and say something. Um, And there's different things we can say. So let's think about those different things that we can say for a while. And I've just got three different sorts of things that we can say that kind of build on each other. Bringing gospel perspectives testifying to Jesus' contribution, and then actually explaining the good news, the gospel. So let's start with bringing gospel perspectives. How can we sprinkle salt credibly in our conversations about work issues? So this could be a conversation about a training module or the company values, or it might be a personal issue, as we've, as we've mentioned with Anita and with Victor. The stuff of life. You know, as Christians, we... We do get a ton of excellent teaching about all sorts of things. There is a whole bunch of seminars and, and Bible readings and evening talks this week. It's not just this week, though. Right through the year, we get a bunch of stuff that helps us to see, gives us biblical insight and wisdom into how we build robust marriages, how we parent well, how we love and trust, and how we do our work well. Um, and those principles, which are derived from biblical wisdom, are not just good news for us. They, they're good news for the world, aren't they? Yes? Am I talking to the right people? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and we need to share, we, we can share that. It, we don't necessarily go straight to the end of the, of the journey and sit down and, and share the good news of Jesus on day one. We can certainly, though, be sharing good news about what, how God has taught us to live that will help people uh, as they journey through towards seeing that actually, or recognising that actually they want to follow this God. So let's share the good news in terms of the wisdom that we're given week by week um, through our churches. And let's look to enrich the conversations we have with that wisdom so, you know, maybe we have a conversation in someone because we're in a queue for the bus or we're on the train, although I don't know about you, but not many people talk on the train uh, when they're commuting. But you could, you know, break with tradition and give it a go. Uh, perhaps you're just sitting on the same table over lunch or you've got a couple of minutes to kill before the client arrives. So these are conversations that on the surface might be about nothing much at all, but they enable us to start to understand each other and also to start to share a little bit of the deeper things of life. So we're thinking about enriching conversations about life and about work. So let's just, let me just give you a, an example. Say you've seen to be a, you've been to see a film like Fantastic Beasts. Anybody seen Fantastic Beasts? A few people. All right, don't worry if you haven't. I'm not going to test you on it. Um, so... You could have a casual, I saw Fantastic Beasts at the weekend. Uh, and that, could, that conversation could, could, could say, well, what did you think of it? And you could say, oh, I thought it was good, you know, eight, 8 out of 10. And that could be the end of the conversation. Or you could have thought a little bit about what went on in the film. What was the, what was the director trying to say? What were the messages? What did the people do? Did you like any of the, of the heroes or dislike any of the heroes or the villains? Uh, could you see some values in it? And as it happens, in, uh, in this particular film, um, there's, a, there's illustrations of loyalty between the characters. There's resourcefulness of this hero whose name was Newt Scamander, if you're interested. 
there's illustrations of kindness, there's illustrations of love, um, lots of subplots going on beneath the main kind of action story. You could have a conversation around those. You could say, yeah, I like the film. It really showed, showed me something about, you know, how being loyal uh, is so valuable. And they, they might, your colleague might look at you and think, okay, tell me more. Or they might not. That might be the end of the conversation. But can you see what we're doing? We're, we're dropping down from the sort of, yeah, it was good, boom, to actually let's talk about the stuff of life and start to explore and start to have a richer conversation together. Am I making sense? Okay. Um, equally well, we can have these sort of conversations about our work itself. After all, we're not actually at work to talk about the film, latest film we saw. We're there to work and to work well. Uh, and a while back, um, Bishop Graham Cray made this statement that wisdom is the new evangelism. So, what have you got to say about what's going on at work? What wisdom have you got to bring? So imagine you have a blame culture at work. I used to have a boss that, that, would, kept, that would keep saying, this is not a blame culture. This is not a blame culture. But we all knew that we would get our butts kicked if we got it wrong. So in practice, it was a blame culture. Um, and in that sort of environment, demonstrating Jesus' forgiveness... And that forgiveness is a better, actually a better way to help people to work well. With some of that tough love we were talking about yesterday, uh, can help someone to think, well, maybe Jesus isn't as, as irrelevant as I thought he was. Maybe a first century Palestinian carpenter does have something to say to a 21st century software <coughs> programmer. And there's a whole bunch of opportunities in the sort of warp and woof of working life to have those conversations that, uh, there's a sort of a, a list here. Maybe you're inducting a, a new team member. How do you do it? What sort of kindness do you show them? Are you, do you talk about uh, your company or your organization's values? Uh, developing reports and presentations with others, the creativity you offer, the wisdom you bring, how you respond to others' work, the respect you offer them, uh, the value they see in, you see in what they bring, how you are, um, if you are... If you're involved in a people issue at work, how do you respond to that? Uh, do, you, do you do it with fairness uh, and with love? Um, how you appraise people with honesty, perhaps, uh, but also fairness. But you can pray for insights into things that will help them. And if you're involved in negotiation, and lots of what you do at work is a negotiation, whether it's formal or not, um, what are you looking for then? Is it... Is it to, to um, actually get as much as possible for your side? Or are you looking for a win-win situation um, that is, is fair and leaves each party feeling that uh, they have actually have actually won? So I want you just to reflect again with, with your neighbour or neighbours. What sort of conversations are you currently involved in? Or what, what sort of conversations could you see becoming involved in uh, that could be like this where could you bring the richness of the gospel and biblical wisdom to bear in the conversations that you have in your workplace whether they're about life or whether they're about work so just see if you can help each other to see those things for a few minutes right now so what I'm hoping as we uh, as we go through this morning is that we're just touching on points that um, Fire the imagination. Say, oh yes, I could do that. I could smile. <laughs> Mostly. Uh, or I could send someone an email to find out how they are. Or I could bring that conversation to another level. So as we do that, um, perhaps uh, another step on from those gospel perspe perspectives uh, we've been thinking about might be testifying to the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Maybe just simply giving him credit for something we've done. So, do you remember Daniel in the Bible? When the emperor Nebuchadnezzar, who was the most powerful man in the world, had a disturbing dream, um, none of his magicians and sorcerers and advisors could interpret the dream. Only Daniel could interpret it. You remember that story? So, at this point, Daniel has the opportunity to further his career. He's the only one that can interpret the dream. 
so he could take the credit. And this is how he begins. He says, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he's asked about. Now we could say, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the, the king the mystery he's asked about, except me. But he doesn't. He says this, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He's shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. He doesn't take the credit for himself. He finds a way to point King Nebuchadnezzar to the God of heaven. Are there ways we can do that? When something goes well, perhaps, for us at work. Somebody says, oh, that was really good, well done, you know. Yes, we, we don't, we're not the sort of people that say, oh, no, no, no. Uh, Twas not me. As uh, Dave, Dave Richards was saying the other night. But we can point people towards God. Yeah, I, you know, that, I got quite stressed about that, but I sat down and I prayed, and I felt God give me a piece about it, or pointed me in this direction. Just natural stuff. Try to use language that makes sense to people in the workplace situation. Don't hop into religious language suddenly. But giving God the credit is one way that we can testify to Jesus' contribution to our lives. And there are lots of other ways we can do that. We're simply naturally explaining the hope that we carry. And then, of course, um, at some point, hopefully, we will get the chance to explain the good news, the gospel, when the time's right. And this has to be one of our hopes and goals, because people don't normally become a disciple of Jesus unless another disciple tells them how to do that. So this is actually moving from understanding to choice. So this is the harvesting, if you like, part of our journey. And uh, Paul tells us this in Romans, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now, when Paul says preaching, he doesn't mean standing on your soapbox and having a go in the middle of your open plan office. Not sure how well that would go down. What he means is some kind of intentional explanation of biblical truth. So helping people to see and leading them through in some way. Peter, Peter knew this and he says this, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Why do you follow Jesus? Why do you go to church? Why do you spend your Saturday afternoons on the street doing whatever it is, praying with people, or Saturday nights being a street pastor, if you do? But do this with gentleness and respect. Something that's appropriate for our particular workplace environment, and they're all different. Uh, I, uh, before I joined LICC about five years ago, I worked in a financial services company and the, I'd had a few conversations about faith with the, the owner of this company with whom I, ha I worked quite closely and uh, we were having our um, Christmas party which happened to be at the time I was leaving. So we had our Christmas party. Uh, normally on these occasions this guy stands up and gives a sort of a state of the nation speech to the assembled um, uh, workers and so we did that, and when he finished that, he said, and of course, uh, Charles is, is moving on, um, so we want to say cheerio, uh, and uh, Charles is going to work for Jesus, he said, I thought, <laughs> okay, because <laughs> Jesus has made him a better offer. Charles, would you like to say something? <laughs> and this verse sprang to mind. You know, uh, am I prepared? What do I say? What a perfect opportunity, you know, in front of the whole company to explain what I was doing. So I did say a few things. But actually what that did was it opened up a whole bunch of conversations in the ensuing uh, days and weeks before I, I actually left where people came to me and said, so, you know, what are you doing? What's this? And I could sit down, you know, one-to-one -one and have a chat and tell them. Fantastic, but we do need to be prepared. And we've got to work out how to say these things 
in, as I say, in language that people are actually going to understand <coughs> at work. So I've given you a few little questions on the back of your handout to think about, uh, not necessarily right now, but, uh, but you know, what, what preparation do I need? Could I actually share something of my personal testimony? My pers- that just means my story. You know, why do I follow Jesus? Could I do that in a natural way? Could I put my sort of jargon filter on, yeah, and step into, or stay rather, in the world of work? Perhaps I could share how Jesus helps me at work. Would that be appropriate? If somebody says, well, you know, you're a Christian. How How did he do that? What does it mean? Could I actually share the gospel simply with that person? Are there questions that could phase me that you know people are going to ask? Questions about the difficult things in life. Someone who's lost, who's bereaved, uh, lost a child or lost a husband or uh, wondering about suffering. What would you say? You can prepare for these things. You can think about it and pray about it beforehand. And when we're prepared, strangely, opportunities do seem to crop up. So, just uh, as we move towards the end of this morning, here's a resource, a couple of resources. Uh, this one in particular, this is called the Word One-to-One. If you do get the opportunity to be heading to, towards choice with somebody, somebody who's really interested, wants to understand more, so you can offer to just spend a few minutes reading the Word with them. And this resource, the Word One-to-One, has been designed to be used in workplaces. It's quite simple and it's really well laid out. Google it, you'll find it. It comes out of uh, St. Helen's Bishopsgate Church, a church in London. So if you Google the word one-to-one, uh, it'll be there. Uh, also, if you're a little bit worried about what, well, what can I say in my workplace? I'm not sure. Particularly uh, public sector um, workplaces are, are quite um, strict about this or feel quite strict. And the Evangelical Alliance has recognised this, and they've put together a resource called Speak Up, working with the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. And so you might find that a helpful little booklet. You can get it, you can download it from the Evangelical Alliance um, website, and that'll help you to sort of navigate through um, sometimes difficult waters when you're in education or perhaps in healthcare. If you are in, in, in healthcare, the Christian Medical Fellowship runs a course called SALT Solution, uh, which is based on this kind of thinking and will help you to understand what you, what you can and can't do, as it were, or what you can do well. So just popping back to our, our rhythm to end with, I've left prayer to the last, not because it's the least important, but actually because it underpins everything that we've been talking about. And we know that. We're told that many, many times. But as Christians and as human beings, sometimes we um, don't do it as well as perhaps we we could do. We're not always consistent at this, are we? So I just want to offer you a practical tool, uh, which LICC puts out, um, which is a a prayer journey. You can find this if you go to our LICC website, licc.org. And... uh, What this does is if you sign up to it, um, you'll see that uh, it gives you 40 prayer prompts. Not all at once, thankfully, but once a day, just one-liners, quite often based on the verse of the Bible. Um, And if you want to click through to some kind of explanation, you can do, but you don't need to. This particular one is called Prayer for Life, and it helps you to pray for the spiritual awakening of the people in your workplace. Okay? Uh, here's a testimony from somebody that was on it. I started this prayer journey two weeks after starting a new job. And a few days in, I was feeling discouraged being so new. I didn't know what to pray for or where even to start since I knew a little about where my team are at. So I asked God to provide some insights. And on the third day, three of our engineers started talking about faith and their varying positions on it, completely unprompted by me. Though we did conclude that my arrival means we now have a very diverse team in terms of faith background, one Hindu, one Christian, and then somebody who doesn't really know at all what they're doing yet. 
So I've taken that as a sign. God definitely wants me to keep praying and has made it clear I should be what I should be asking for, that my colleagues will know Jesus as he is a real person. So if you feel that you'd love to pray more consistently, but you just forget, <laughs> then sign up for Prayer for Life uh, and see what happens as you go through that journey. Um, you can drop us a line on the prayer wall there to let us know what's going on. Okay, we need to draw ourselves to a close here, but let me just leave you with one thought. I hope you found something helpful this morning. Um, but, you know, God is sovereign, and sometimes he just blows away our neat frameworks uh, with his mighty hand and short-circuits the journey, or at least part of it. So I wanted to play you um, Wayne's story. I work in the IT industry. Uh, I've been working in IT about five years. So it starts with James. James is the sort of the key that kicks this off. So basically, uh, James and I have been working together for quite a while. He's a colleague of mine. He's a keen footballer, keen sportsman. And basically, his football team are struggling and they need their striker. So basically, he's got a rib groin and an injured back. I basically went into the break room on the morning and just told him about a miracle I'd seen the night before. And he just said, well, I want you to pray for me then. So I said, do you want to do it in the break room? Because we're in the break room at the time. And he said, no, 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 I'm, you know, because it's all on camera and things. So he said, let's do it somewhere else. So we go down to the customer bill room. He goes in first, I go in after. And I said to James, look, can I put my hand on your head, my hand on your back? And I just want to pray. And I just want to release the Holy Spirit to you. So I just start praying. I just say, Holy Spirit, come. You know, just heal him, speak lovely things over him. Just feel, feel God's heart for his life. And I say to James, you know, I'm just speaking all these wonderful things over him. And when we finish praying, it could be about five, ten minutes, um, James just says to me, there's no pain. There's no pain in his groin. There's no pain in his back. And this is a guy that actually on the weekend couldn't sleep, was struggling to walk, or something that God just heals him there and then, heals him his back pain and his groin pain. And I was completely overwhelmed. You know, you never know what to expect, especially when you're praying for colleagues. I've prayed for Christians before, you know, because I've worked in a Christian environment and things like that and seen some success and some failures. Well, not failures, but people get healed and people not get healed. So I say to him, you know, well, how do you feel? And he said, but I feel really peaceful. And he said, but when I closed my eyes and you were praying, he said, all I saw when I opened my eyes was light and I didn't see any of the, the furniture or anything like that. But he's basically just saying he didn't believe before, but now he does believe. And I'm just overwhelmed. And... When we finish, we go our separate ways, he goes back to work, he's happy. And then there's a few other colleagues that come in and they've got issues. Other members of staff, one who's got a, a back, one who had a broken wrist and healed properly, another one that damaged his foot when he was running on the morning. And James was actually sending people into the office to see me so I could pray for them. And see God just doing wonderful healings. So there you go. Um, I'm not suggesting that that's the norm for all our workplaces, but just just so that we raise our raise our eyes and recognise God is sovereign and He will do what He will do um, as an, as we serve and make ourselves available. So it's always an adventure with God. Uh, my prayer is that you'll continue that adventure when you return to work, and that you will be fruitful in Him and make a real difference uh, wherever you are. Um, Thank you for, for being with us. If you've been with us all week, great. If you've just been with us today, great as well. Uh, if you'd like to continue thinking about how to serve God at work, can I just recommend a couple of things? Uh, there's a discipleship resource called Transforming Work. The best way to understand how that works is to download the app, uh, whether it's from Apple Store or Google Play, it's on both. And that'll give you an idea of, of uh, how to, how to uh, run a Transforming Work course. It, the videos I've been showing you this week are from the Transforming Work course. Um, eight sessions over a year, a great way to travel with working people and to peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer just talk through some of these things. If, you're a, if you have some kind of management role in work, we also run something called Executive Toolbox. We've run it in London for six or seven years. Um, we're hoping uh, to run it in Belfast next year, uh, working with Mark on that. So just keep an eye out or an ear out uh, for, for, for that. As I say, if you're in that kind of position, you carry sort of 
responsibility for a number of people, that could be for you as well. Now, do at this point feel free to head off to lunch, um, but I just thought, uh, you know, as I travel about, I find that many Christians have never actually been commissioned for the work they do. And so I just wanted to offer uh, for us to pray together as we finish today. So as I say, if you need to go, please feel free, absolutely free to go. But there's a prayer on the bottom of your handout on the second page. And I just wondered if uh, if you'd like to, if you'd just like to uh, uh, stand together now and we'll pray that as, a, as an opportunity to recognise together uh, that God has called us to our work. So why don't we pray that together and I'll just finish off afterwards with a, a, a short blessing. Father, thank you for the offer of new life in Christ. Thank you for giving my life renewed purpose, for transforming the way I see my daily work, my relationships and my leisure time. Thank you for all those who have showed and shared your good news with me. Now, Lord, help me to live a fruitful life in and through my work, the front line you've called me to. Lord, through me, would you draw others to know you. Stretch out your mighty hand to do great works in the places where I work by the power of your spirit. And give me courage and the presence of mind to share you each day through my actions, my speech, and my behaviour. For your glory may it be so. Amen. So Lord, I just pray for each one standing here. Uh, Lord, we remember each workplace represented, each colleague, each person in those workplaces and organisations. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint each one here to go to those people in those places in your name. In your name, Jesus. And in the power of your spirit to live and to work to your praise and to your glory. In your name, Lord. Amen. Amen.